Welcome to the third episode of Both Sides TV. I'm very excited today to welcome my guest. It's Urs Seta, and he is managing director of a firm called BDMI, Bertelsmann Digital Media Investments. We're going to talk a lot about media and online investment. Welcome, Urs. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. And give me the exact pronunciation. I know I was close, but didn't nail it. It's a German pronunciation. Uh, Urs Seta. Okay, well, That's, I was it, I was as close as an American's going to get to that. Definitely, <laughs> Very good. And you're German. Yep. And Thursday morning is a big morning. What are you expecting to happen this Thursday morning? What what should the result be? I I think I should not say, but uh, <laughs> I know that I'll be sitting in the audience at VidCon with you know earplugs and uh, my uh, Watch ESPN app, and uh, well, I'll for, be following. <laughs> for posterity's sake, if you're watching this in the future. Uh, the Germany-USA match Thursday morning, and I'm rooting for a 1-1 tie. Good. Then we're both through. Yeah, that's good, yeah. Okay, so you work for BDMI. You run mm -hmm. BDMI, the uh, digital media investment group of, with Bertelsmann. Why don't you first tell us a bit about Bertelsmann? Sure. Some Americans may not know sure. the property. Sure. So uh, Bertelsmann is a big uh, media company, um, family-owned still, uh, over $20 billion in revenue. Uh, over 100,000 employees all over the world. Um, people might definitely don't know the name Bertelsmann, but they know some of the divisions that we have. So the largest division would be RTL Group, which is Europe's largest television broadcaster. So they have a lot of channels all over Europe. They also own 100% uh, of Fremantle, which is our content production arm, which uh, people definitely here in LA know. And so RTL for Americans mm -hmm. is the equivalent of like oh, ABC. ABC. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, and, and it's not just Germany; it's all over Europe. It's Germany, France, Spain, and uh, and even Eastern Europe. So yeah, it's it's all it's not everywhere, but it's it has a broad distribution. All and over it's Europe. not RTL everywhere or RTL. No, it's not. Very in good Germany, point. In Germany, it's, it's called RTL. MCs in France. It's uh, 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 and in uh, Antena Tres in uh, in uh, Spain. So it, it has different names in, in the different countries. How old is the company? Uh, ooh, uh, I should know that by heart. It's uh, over 180 years old. Okay. So it's uh, I don't know the exact name. Now, one of the <laughs> things I remember about Bertelsmann. Mm -hmm. as, aside from the fact that they tried to sue my company once. Uh, Sorry for that. Is, I'll, I'll tell you the story in a minute. But uh, when AOL was mm -hmm. the 800-pound gorilla, mm -hmm. when AOL was the equivalent of what Facebook is today, mm -hmm. and they went into Europe, they went into Europe in partnership with Bertelsmann. Is that right? That's correct. It was called Europe Online, EOL. And uh -huh. uh, we ended up at the, when there was the Time Warner AOL deal happening. We ended up making a lot of money on that transaction. That is true. And at one point in time, Bertelsmann had something called Bertelsmann Online. Mm -hmm. And I had a product called BOL. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my company was billed online, and we had a product called BOL, and they mm -hmm. tried to sue me over the trademark. But I'm sorry for that. You know, but the lawyers <laughs> never really pursued it. They sent a legal letter, I put my head in the sand, and we never heard back again. Good. And you know, I think, but do they own Built or no? No, Built is Axel Springer. That's one okay, of our Okay, so they also tried to sue yeah. us. Okay. I uh, didn't go through all the divisions. Should I mention the other businesses as yeah, well? Yeah, exactly. For a, so. Although the one that everyone knows, I'm sure, is BMG. It's BMG, yeah, Bertelsmann Music Group, which is, it used to, we used to be half of Sony BMG, yep. but now that is all Sony Music. But we then uh, opened up a music publisher again, so we're mainly in the music publishing business uh, with BMG. Uh, another division uh, the people here in the U.S. definitely know is called Penguin Random House, which okay. is kind of the largest consumer book publisher. Everybody knows I that. I think everybody should know that one. That's correct. 
And then in Europe, we have a, a division called Gruner and Yar, which is uh, Europe's, you know, one of Europe's leading magazine companies. So think of them like a, like a Meredith or a, a Condi or some, something like so that. So you have international media assets that span mm -hmm. across books, magazines, television. Do you do anything some in film? Uh, we have, you know, some some. We produce some films, but we're not really in the movie blockbuster kind of production. We have like more made for TV or. or and I know like we're going to talk about investments, mm -hmm. and sure. we're going to talk about why someone should want to partner <clears throat> with someone like BDMI. Mm -hmm. But let's first talk about acquisitions. Does mm -hmm. Bertelsmann overall are they very active in digital acquisitions? They, they. I wouldn't call them super active, but no, they they definitely acquire assets. Uh, 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 you know, regularly. I mean, we have any some, any acquisitions I would know. Uh, any acquisitions you would know? They acquired a majority in broadband TV. Is that something okay. you would know? I do know it. That yeah. that's something they did. Uh, but BDMI wasn't mm -hmm. set up with the objective mm -hmm. to try and start buying a bunch of digital media companies. No, definitely not. So we we were set up in 2006, end of 2006. So that's how old uh, the fund is. Uh, and uh, it was more uh, we were set up to help you know the the big media company with innovation, like connecting them to younger innovative startups and with markets that they definitely didn't you know know enough about. So we we are we we are not set up in a way to make acquisitions easier for for Bertelsmann. So we are, we behave. Uh, pretty much like you guys behave. So you know we have uh, uh, an incentive structure that mimics you know a carry. So if I uh, if one of our uh, uh, portfolio companies sells for a higher price, uh, we you know make more, which means that we are aligned with the entrepreneurs that we back. We are aligned with co-investors, like we, we too are co-invested in yes. the company. So it's this was not we were not set up to. Uh, Kind of as a as a vehicle to then do cheap acquisitions later. So on. obviously, mm -hmm. firms that have a desire to work with media, mm -hmm. you are a good partner in that. You mm -hmm. are international media covering the U.S., mm -hmm. but also Europe and I presume South America and other places. Um, a little bit, yeah. When should people go to BDMI? When are you a good fit sure. for people? So we have. Two funds, and I'll give you a rough overview of how, how both work because they behave a little differently. So, our, our what we call the main fund is a $180 million early stage, so Series A, Series B focused fund. Uh, that fund uh, typically writes checks from, I'd say, half a million to $4 million. We are happy leading, co leading, but also following, but we do it all. Uh, if we write a big check and lead, we typically take a board seat. If we write a small check and follow, we ask for an observancy because we want to be part of the discussion uh, and help the company. Um, and that's the main fund. The, the, then we have a seed fund, which behaves differently. So the seed fund writes you know, fifty dollars to $250,000 checks, but the seed fund never uh, leads. The seed fund only follows, and we also only follow what I would call kind of a a good institutional lead, or at least if it's an angel, then it's kind of the one angel where people would say, yeah, that's, you know, there's a lot of expertise and on the market. And do both funds report to you? Yes. Okay. So it's really just about size. If it's mm -hmm. below a certain size, you're less active, it's more of a seed investment. Mm -hmm. exactly. Above a certain size, you want to oversee it. Exactly. And, and w one thing I, we haven't mentioned yet is so we, uh, so we, Invest without any extra strings attached. So, okay. as I said, there's no right of first no, refusal. No, we don't ask for any. We don't have a problem being dragged out of deals or something like that. Mm -hmm. we, we like our term sheets are very plain vanilla, I would say. Uh, 
But we do work a lot and work hard on connecting our portfolio with Bertelsmann. So okay. uh, one example, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to the online video ecosystem at yes. some point, but Style Hall will be an example that we invested in. And, you know, we, we uh, connected them. And that's them. not a seed investment. That's that is not. That we, let, we let the B round. So, okay. Um, uh, and we connected uh, Style Hall, you know, with all the different assets that we have in Europe. We connected them with Fremantle. They announced a big partnership with Fremantle on content production. You know, we, I, you know, uh, Stephanie and I toured Europe and, and we've seen, you know, we've met all the French people uh, uh, at RTL. We met the German ones. And so we, you know, we try to be very helpful as much as we can. Uh, if, if a company wants to do something uh, international or wants to find a partner for doing something in Europe, you know, we are, I'm, I'm sure it's something we can be very helpful with being kind of the most international of all the media companies with actual people on the ground, assets in, every, in, in almost every country now, in the world. Now, one of the reasons why people occasionally <coughs> don't want to work with, let's say, strategic mm -hmm. investors sure. is a perception that perhaps either your interests aren't aligned because you're just trying to invest to get access to innovation. You're saying that's not the case. And another reason that sometimes people are resistant to strategic investors is if they believe it reduces the M&A options. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're not hugely acquisitive, mm -hmm. so there ought to be no signaling risk, I guess, for anyone in partnering with BDMI. I think, I, I think the, the, as you said, the, the risk is very small. And I th generally, I think if, I think there's a difference if the more venture-style arm makes an investment versus the corporate. I'm sure you know if, if Time Warner Investment is invested uh, in a company, I think the, the signaling risk is uh, less uh, uh, than if Time Warner Corporate would be an investor or something, because all these funds behave more or less like, like you guys uh, and are kind of have the same goals that you have. Well, I can tell anyone watching, because I actually have partnered with BDMI, and I have found you to be as helpful as the most helpful VCs that I work with. Thanks. And uh, with, I mean, I haven't had any overhead or baggage or mm. conflict of interest. So it's, so far it's just been uh, goodness. We, we try to make it that way. And if there ever is a problem, I'm happy to step off, uh, you know, be asked to leave the board meeting at something. We, it hasn't really happened, but yeah, always, you know, what's, what's best for and the company what's your is what background? we want to do. Why are you the right person for this? Um, I think so. To work at PDMI, there, there are, I think, two paths that get the people there that are there, uh, uh, which is, one, you either know Bertelsmann a lot because you have to know all the operating units uh, well, and that's something that I did. I worked, uh, I'm now in my 10th year at Bertelsmann, so okay. very German, very, uh, uh, very uh, loyal uh, to a company. Uh, so I know all the different people at Bertelsmann. Um, I came from the corporate strategy department, so spent a lot of time on, you know, number crunching and strategy. Uh, but then I think the real reason is I'm a, I'm a real geek. Like I know how to use a soldering iron. I you know I can program a little bit. I I own every gadget known to man. No, not necessarily, but I I'm I'm a big gadget freak. So I think that's I think I, I get enough street cred to survive five minutes with a with a with a CS guy uh, okay. in a room. Maybe not, but I think that's... soldering iron. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I, work on that. That's yeah, not that's, something in my toolkit right now. If you want some help on uh, modding an Xbox or something like that, happy there to, you go. Uh, and let's talk about some of the deals that you've mm -hmm. done. First of all, like, how does someone best get access to you? Um, I think, unfortunately, when I started this business, so I'm now doing venture for six, seven years, and I, when, when I watched all you know, your videos or videos of other VCs, and you always hear that, oh, it's best if one of our, uh, you know, someone I know introduces you. Yeah. 
And I always thought, oh, that's not very fair. Uh, yeah. like, why doesn't the cold email not, not work? Doing this now for six, seven years, I have to say, nope, it is actually the best to get on our radar is by being introduced uh, by, via one of our CEOs or someone we know and you know, investors we have. Uh, because we get a lot of deal flow in uh, in our info box, like that just is emailed like that. And uh, well, what I tell people is interestingly, I mean, the the reason why people like mm -hmm. you and me don't want to feel like we have to have a filter is it feels elitist. Mm -hmm. And you don't seem like an elitist guy. I'm not an elitist person. No, but then I'm unfortunately also German analytical. We actually looked at our deal flow and and looked at which deals we ended up doing and how many were kind of cold emails into our info uh, uh, email. I think none of them. So yeah. that's why, yeah, I, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to be elitist, but I think at the end of the day, looking at reality, that is what uh, I think it happened. If you get a warm introduction from someone I, I care about, you know, it's, it's easier to uh, be high priority. And, and uh, the, uh, the advice I try to give people <laughs> is leaving aside elitism, mm -hmm. um, how you get access to a VC tells the VC a lot about your entrepreneurial mm -hmm. skills. There are, I mean, there are occasions where someone just emails me and says, I'm going to be at a conference, could we meet? And we spend two hours together, mm -hmm. and it's impromptu and unintentional. Uh, equally, there are times where really highly competent people have to have five people email me because I was super busy and I just, like, <laughs> didn't get to it immediately. But that tells me something about it because, you know, I always say uh, being an entrepreneur, the number one attribute is persistence. Mm -hmm. And even when I, inter when I email like a senior exec at YouTube, at Facebook, at Twitter, mm -hmm. I don't get immediate responses mm -hmm. either. Oh, so you know? it's not only me? Okay. Yeah. Just <laughs> so I have to be clever about, sure. you know, who's whispering in their ear, how I get access to them. I have to know when is it okay to text message them? Mm -hmm. When is that a little bit too forward? Can I DM them? You know, uh, and can I, I, send I, I like conferences emails? as well. Actually, I think we did end up investing in some companies where I met the entrepreneurs at a you know VC conference or a startup event or something like that. I think that is like because then you get an immediate personal kind of relationship. You know how you know did I like the guy or or, or the team that presented. So I think conferences is also and since since we are pretty active attending events all over kind of the U.S. I think uh, that's a good way to get in contact with us as well. And is 100% of your investment activity media, or do you sometimes do software? Do you do like soldering projects? Or? Uh, no soldering projects. That's my pet. That's my pet peeve. No, we we actually we have uh, no, we're pet peeve means you don't like it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Good. Okay. That's uh, that's the German in me. So yeah. uh, so we have we are highly focused. I would say as a fund. So we have three yeah. uh, uh, theses that we kind of set up and got approved by our parent company. First is called Next Generation TV, which is all the online video related stuff. But it's mm -hmm. not only content, it's also tools like epoxy and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, second is what we call pub tech, publisher technology. That's all the B2B stuff that you sell to a web publisher or a media company, helping them make more money. Mm -hmm. So ad tech is part of that, but we wanted it broader than ad tech. So, and, and a lot of these companies more look like a typical SaaS software uh, 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 company. Uh, and then the third one is our view on commerce. We call it content community commerce, which is you know, um, uh, a startup that uses content to kind of strengthen their commerce relationships with the users and then maybe even has a community. So it's like our parent company wouldn't necessarily care if we invest in a straight up 
startup that just sells a product on a web page that looks very like Amazon or something like that. It has to be something where content plays a role in the in the whole transaction. So talking about some mm -hmm. video specific, we've mm -hmm. already talked about Style Hall. Mm -hmm. Style Hall is kind of haulers. It's uh, women who video themselves shopping and talking about trends and trying to drive fashion and beauty. Mm -hmm. um, what have you learned there? Uh, that we love the category. Is that yeah. like uh, when we when we started looking into the whole MCN space, uh, you know, we we tried to map out such an ecosystem. Like we created our own little version of the Luma chart, and then looked at you know what different MCN models are there. There are you know tech MCNs. There are you know vertical ones. There are you know uh, uh, more studio related ones. Uh, in the vertical space, we loved Stylehole so much because fashion and beauty is uh, is a category where Advertising and product, or branded entertainment and product, uh, is so close to each other that right. people don't really are not they they don't mind if uh, a video is about an eyeliner or something because that's actually what why the people watch the video. So right. so that's and we you know we so we like the category. They're really they're they were already dominant when we made the investment. So they you know have over six hundred million views a month and you know it's very concentrated in just one vertical, which is fashion and beauty. Mm -hmm. And you know the demographics are very you know also quite focused, you know, women's focused. Mm -hmm. So you know it's uh, I think scale is something that definitely does matter. The big criticism that MCNs mm -hmm. uh, came under, MCN if you don't know is uh, stood for multi-channel network, which was a euphemism for a YouTube video company. I don't mm -hmm. know why. Uh, the great criticism mm -hmm. is that you have platform risk from YouTube. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about platform risk and how to mitigate platform risk? Either not mm -hmm. just Style Hall, but across Drama Fever or any other investments you made. Um, so generally, I mean, our thinking, I mean, there, there, is, pla there is platform risk for sure. Mm -hmm. And then you want to, I think, analyze, at least we wanted to analyze which kind of risks do we think are, you know, we, we are willing to take and which ones not necessarily. So maybe as, a, as an example, uh, an MCN that is highly tech focused, mm -hmm. I think I would have a bigger hesitation to invest, uh, uh, given that I think YouTube is a, is a tech platform. I don't think they really want to deal with 17-year-olds shooting video. Uh, I think they're more, they, they, they focus more on delivering a fantastic platform that, you know, the video always runs and it, it runs all over the world and in a very and good way. And when you say tech focus, do you mean as in focus on the tech vertical or meaning uh, in providing technology services, providing services okay. that at some point YouTube could offer themselves. Okay. Because since they are a tech company, they will be developing more and more, you know, tools but for their. But so for far, it hasn't seemed to it, heard full no, screen, for no, example. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not always right. Uh, yeah, for sure. But so, that's one of. But your that was one of the things, concerns. the thinkings we had concerns. And uh, for Stylehall, you know, I think uh, so far, I think they work very well together with YouTube. So okay. because. The, the so Style Hall doesn't put that much investment into technology itself. No, they 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 have, but it's not it's not. I I wouldn't definitely not call them a kind of a tech focused uh, MCN. Definitely, there is a big difference I think between what a full screen is doing and what a Style Hall is doing. It's more content focused or community focused. The people that are right. creators in and in has Style Hall started to build owned and operated websites? Are they? They have some of that, okay. uh, and, but and it's predominantly YouTube. It's predominantly YouTube. Now, yeah. Drama Fever mm -hmm. is in the total opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Drama Fever, like Vicky, 
very early on sourced South Korean content in mm -hmm. specific and then wanted to find international audiences to consume that. Mm -hmm. And they had a fair amount of success with mm -hmm. that in the US. Why don't mm -hmm. you talk a bit about Drama Fever, how you got involved, sure. uh, how that company's you know, evolved. So as, as a ca caveat with uh, many things, it's not my deal, but still, so uh, okay. it's a Sims deal, but uh, uh, Sim still. is your colleague. Sim, Sim is one of my colleagues, yeah, Sim Blastin. Um, so Drama Fever is, as you said, it's more like the, the Hulu for foreign content kind of would be the, uh, and yes, it started, uh, with Korean or like Asian content, but it also moved now into Latin American content, like okay. Spanish-speaking content. And the, the whole idea is there is there are pockets of you know very high-quality content that is valued in the country of origin or where it's kind of mainly broadcast, but not necessarily other places. So there there are ways of getting really high-quality Korean dramas, for example, and then broadcast them here online to to uh, uh, to an audience in the U.S. that is interested. In high quality, but content. done through DramaFever.com. Exactly. They they have it. They you can watch the things on DramaFever.com. They they syndicate uh, content to you know Hulu and you know iTunes and other other outlets. They use all outlets that are uh, available to them to to distribute the video. But it's uh, it, what we what I thought was really interesting is looking at the demographics. Uh, it's not the, it's not only Asian people watching this. It's actually they're they're uh, the minority of the of the users are Asian. So this was not kind of an expatriate play where, where people want to watch Korean content because they are kind of a Korean descent. When I like first that. looked at the market, mm -hmm. I looked a lot at a company called Vicky, mm -hmm. which sure. at the time was their main competitor. And Vicky was more than 50% was US, mm -hmm. non-Asian. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it strikes me that there are these global markets for content, mm -hmm. uh, anime, in Japan, sure. South Korean drama, I think is it Boys with Flowers or something like that is one of the big shows in, in Korea. You have uh, Bollywood, of course, mm -hmm. out of India. You and have Spanish, yes, uh, telenovelas. And, you know, so there are audiences for this stuff. I mean, frankly, if you look at um, even YouTube and what YouTube audiences mm -hmm. have become, uh, you have these international stars that are speaking in a language, but it's being consumed in other mm -hmm. places. And in the old world, you had physical distribution that limited your ability mm -hmm. to consume that, and that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so PewDiePie can be everywhere, right? That's true. And he's... Uh, if you use premium content, though, you have to... There's kind of the, still the rights and licensing issue. Like, did you get the rights globally or not? And, you know, there will be a price difference So Drama Fever do. has rights. They have rights, yeah. Okay. They, they, they legally acquire all the rights of the stuff that they, uh, that they uh, stream. So, yeah, okay. for sure. And they do acquire it, you know, differently sometimes. Exclusive, non-exclusive, different geographies. It's like uh, the whole nine yards. Okay. And uh, of course, you're in Jukin as well. Mm -hmm. uh, is that your deal? Is that Sims? Sims deal as okay. well. So. so, do you know a bit about Jukin? I do know a bit about Jukin. Sure. Okay. We, so. uh, like, like a normal VC partnership, we all have to vote on it. We all have to meet and attend the pitch. So it's. Uh, so Jukin, uh, their main product is called Fail Army. Mm -hmm. It's one of the more popular YouTube shows, mm -hmm. uh, and I know they're increasingly trying to build their own property. Mm -hmm. What their business model is predicated on is people who have really funny fail videos, upload them to mm -hmm. Jukin. Jukin's very good at sifting through those, securing mm -hmm. rights, and they actually syndicate those. Mm -hmm. So they syndicate them 
the network TVs uh, at times will take their sure. content uh, and they'll put a lot of their content on YouTube. And they've really built a great brand doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost like I call the un-MCN. It's a, you're a collection of people that don't want to regularly produce content because it fails. You don't want to... You don't want to fail that often, so or someone who uploads one of those viral clips yeah. does so maybe once or twice in, in his lifetime and not necessarily regularly. So they, they find those clips before they really get viral, license it, make sure that everything's kind of clean and, and legal. And then that's why you see, if you see a funny clip, uh, like the, the cat rescuing the little kid that was... Uh, bitten by the dog. Right, right. One of the videos, or uh, uh, whether that was was that on Fail Army first? Uh, actually, I don't know where it was first, but it's. Uh, I know that's one of the videos. But that's that the was, kind of thing. Yeah, that is the kind of. Before it's really super big, that's when they when they when they and they get help it. it go big. They yeah, and they help it definitely. And uh, one of the things that they told me also is that they confirmed that no one was killed. So they have fail they're, videos they're, that sometimes are pretty hard to watch. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm not the target customer for that. I hate watching people get hurt. Yeah, I think I'm... It seems, <laughs> it seems young people like that, you know, jackass and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so what have you learned overall about online video? What areas of online video interest you? Um, so I think, uh, first of all, why did we pick that uh, topic? I think I'll, I'll just, I can echo uh, uh, some of the things you mentioned in your last blog post about okay. YouTube. Uh, you know, video is going to be big, and that's yeah. uh, uh, consumption is uh, you know uh, growing tremendously, uh, shifting online. Uh, we also think that the utility that the users get from watching uh, video online is a little different if you compare it to what it was ten years ago. Like if you look at younger people, it's not only entertainment; it's a little bit of a social aspect of it as well. Like if you have a sixteen-year-old that follows a YouTube star. It's almost like they feel it's a, it's a personal connection that they have with with the star. So you know we we like we like that trend. We think it's you know it's it's what people like to spend their time on, and they spend a lot of time on it. Uh, and then if when we looked at the whole ecosystem, you know we there are, there will be different verticals that we like. We generally prefer a vertically focused MCN or, or video play versus mm -hmm. a very broad one. And I know you were super successful with Maker, so I'm Thank as I you. said. Never follow my advice. Just do no. the opposite of what I do. <laughs> Maker uh, is vertically focused. It just chooses many verticals. Yeah. So I think yeah. the last I checked, there were like 13 or so verticals. So, so we like the vertically focused one. That's why we made Style Hall as, as, as a bet, uh, as an investment. Because, as you said, it's, it's easier to you know, get critical mass and get you know, the uh, acquired talent that they want to join this network if you stand for one vertical, it's easier for them to aspire to be part of that network. Yeah. It's easier to get uh, good relationships with advertisers. Endemic audience. Endemic, yeah. all those things. And like as a VC also, I think it's easier to sell vertically focused ones because okay. the buyer universe is a little bigger than just big media companies or big tech giants like Yahoo and or whatever. Is, is uh, the ability to sell a company, is that something that forms part of your investment discussion? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Exit. Is, is something that we, in our investment proposal, have to kind of talk so about. So you think through who the ultimate buyer may be? We try. Okay. Since some of the companies are very early, it's not always uh, easy and opposite. And I'm not even sure how, uh, whether, I'll have to look at some of our older proposals, whether they were right at the end or not. In online video, there's been some big European companies, but as a European investor, notably, I don't think you've invested in those base 79 media craft you know why is that 
That's a I mean, we, we know them. We know them all. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, I don't know, it's like, why did you not invest in, 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 in one or the other? It uh, might be many things. I, I don't know. But I'm not German. No, <laughs> that's, no but that's, uh, that's true. No, uh, it's I'm, definitely I'm good things. No, it's, yeah. uh, I think for video, we, uh, the U.S. is leading the whole space, definitely. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, and that's why I think we spent more of our efforts in the U.S. when it comes to online video. Do you look at all in China, India, we Brazil, have, emerging markets? Mm -hmm. Bertelsmann has separate funds for all these geographies. So there's okay. a, a B, BAI, which is Bertelsmann Asia Investments, out okay. of uh, Beijing. Uh, there is Bertelsmann Brazil Investments. And Do you guys ever then partner with them? Like, we you know, if, if you're competing on a deal, wouldn't it make sense to bring in BAI and, you know, B, what, what's another one? BBI, BII. Like what all is the, BBI? Uh, Brazil Investments okay. and India Investments. So, so brick without the R. For some reason, go. there is no BRI. So <laughs> You don't invest uh, in Russia, you uh, know? No, we have enough assets is there. Is this like a German uh, thing? You don't nope. like the Russians? No, no, no we, like, we like everyone. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just teasing. Just sure. but, uh, but, like, wouldn't that be a value prop for you that you could say, mm -hmm. we're going to bring 200,000 from each of our territories, and therefore you've got, like, an extension into those markets one day when you want to expand? Sure, but I think we, we, we sell that value, value prop without having to use their money for, for, it makes the deal a little more complicated, but like I work very closely uh, with the other uh, venture funds. And so if uh, Stylehall wants to spend time in China meeting every video player that's out there, you know, we can make that happen. Gotcha. I, I, don't need, I don't need BAI to contribute a part of the, of the investment check to make that happen. Gotcha. Now, you're at, you've got Random House. No. Penguin Random House. Pe yeah. Pe Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you make of the whole Amazon controversy in book publishing? They seem to be playing uh, with a pretty rough bat, like deprecating. It was at Hachette, I believe, mm -hmm. that they d weren't getting the deal that they want. So the people who publish through those book publishers suddenly weren't getting listings on their site. I'm, I'm sure the, you know, that it's not my expertise. The book okay. space is not my expertise. Uh, but uh, how do you deal with a supply, with a distribution channel that is uh, the majority of your uh, of, of your business? So how how do video companies live with that uh, if YouTube uh, uh, is in the same? Do you situation? think that that'll continue to be the trend on TV? Do you think uh, w will we see five years from now more consolidated video companies? Will YouTube and Amazon rule them all? and then we all are getting beat up by YouTube and Amazon, or do you think we'll see more fragmentation? Uh, I mean, I, I think YouTube will be definitely a player, like in the whatever, five, six, seven years, whatever it is. I, I don't see a future where they're not. Uh, will I only see one or two players? I'm, I, I don't think so. I think video is attractive enough. The monetization works kind of well enough that I think there will be more players that want to try this and want to, you know, get a get a stake in, in the whole video ecosystem. So Are you guys looking at over the top at all? Are you looking at how to distribute via Xbox, PlayStation, Amazon Fire? So uh, Bertelsmann, the RTL Group. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure yeah. they. Yes, for sure. But not as an investment thesis. I mean, we. I mean, to some degree, Drama Fever is an OTT play. It's, it's over the top premium content. Uh, so uh, so we 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 look at, we looked at that. We looked at some. Some of those startups that wanted to kind of replace could be a virtual MVNO or something like that. So uh, we definitely spend time in the space. Everything in the video space is interesting. Gotcha. And what about you, uh, overall video uh, infrastructure? Have you looked at any infrastructure investments? Um, yes. I fear once it gets 
too technical, then it's something which does not necessarily fit well with us because we will not be super helpful in that case, I, I fear. Like I, generally, I only want to make an investment if I think that I can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, sure, we can make some introductions if it's kind of real infrastructure, I don't know, codex or something like that. We, and I, I did look at a couple of companies that have video compression codex or something like that. But if it's too technical, I think there, there are other venture funds that have uh, more expertise in, in, in okay, making so the judgment. Okay, so stick to the knitting, more media related. More. Yeah, definitely. So epoxy is one we should cover. We're both sure. investors yeah. in that company. So that's, uh, it's nice when you do an investment with someone because then you have a good excuse to talk to them all the time. Sure. What was your thesis behind epoxy? Well, the uh, uh, initial feedback, like how the, how the company started, was helping people get distribution off YouTube as well, mm -hmm. uh, like using Facebook to drive views on, on YouTube initially. Uh, and now then it expanded to kind of more, you know, channel management, getting social distribution and analytics as well. And, you know, we, we liked the space. As I said at the beginning, we looked at the whole map from content production to consumption. And there's a couple buckets of tools that help video producers and we had a white space and said we want to be in one of those companies that uh, uh, helps video producers with analytics and with distribution and so that's why you know we ended up uh, uh, investing with you. In, and, in a, and a typical deal that you do like that it seems at least my experience from Epoxy you bring the media companies to the table mm -hmm. to use the tools to become sure. part of your due diligence to oh, decide yeah. if it's a good fit. Definitely. I mean, we, we always, uh, uh, for the seed fund, sometimes a little less because we, we have to be faster and, you know, uh, uh, get stuff done uh, in a timely manner. But generally, we use our divisions a lot for uh, due diligence. Mm -hmm. But we always make sure that uh, uh, there's kind of a Chinese wall that, you know, if, for example, we ask for two decks when a company presents one that has all the, you know, numbers and how much you're raising and things like that, but that deck only stays within the venture fund. Uh, and then we ask for one which is more product focused that we can then share with, with our divisions because we don't want to you know, talk about any secrets that the company feels uncomfortable mentioning. So, but then yes, we, we did connect Fremantle, for example, with Epoxy and they have been using the tools and they like it. So that's, it's a normal, that's how, we, how our process typically works. And what areas, we've talked a lot about video, what other areas, give me some examples of other investments you've made non-video. Um, so one of our, one of, like, I think let's talk about the last deal. Uh, it's a company called Zerknet. Okay. It's Zerknet. Zerknet. That sounds like something a geeky person it, would invest in. It is, yeah, for sure. Hello, you know where Zerk comes from? I have Zerknet. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's actually from, uh, uh, from a game. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's, it's a reference to a game, uh, yeah. StarCraft. A sol soldering game? Uh, no, it's not a soldering <laughs> game, but it uh, should be. It yeah. should be. Uh, so what it's, is Zerk? It's a, it's, a, it's a recommendation engine okay. uh, for content. So it's a little bit like, you know, what a Taboola, Outbrain are doing. Okay. Uh, but it's a it's an audience audience management platform. So they does work, it compete with Outbrain and Taboola? They they don't have the same model okay. yet, so I don't think so. I mean, they do compete with you know positioning of their widget, but it's not the same model that they use. And it's called Zerk. Zerknet. Zerknet. Z e r g n e t. Okay, and so they partner with media companies. They do content recommendation. They show you spammy content. Try to get you to click. And then they get paid if, if you click on it? Pretty much completely wrong, but it's good. <laughs> so, it's, no, it's a, it's a very premium network. They only take a small percentage of the people that want to be part of the network into the network. Yeah. So it's the Hearst, Conde Nasts, it's, you know, those kind of people. Okay, so they work that, with big they, players. They work with big players. Uh, uh, much less spammy. 
much less spammy, no diet pills, no, like the content is very different. It's actual content that you Sometimes would want to Sometimes those recommendation sites end up being a little bit spammy. I know, no, yeah. for sure. Uh, so they, they work a little differently and then they, for clicks that leave the publisher, yeah. they will then get a multiple back on uh, uh, new uniques, you know, that help with your comp score and so it's, uh, publishers love it. It's, you know, you, you give them good, high quality traffic. Okay, well, no offense to Zerknet, I was just teasing. Sure. And uh, what's, it, what's another example of an investment you've done? Um, maybe uh, Frank and Oak would okay. be another good one. It's uh, because that it's not, I think, not immediately uh, clear why we made the investment or not. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's a vertically integrated uh, fashion brand, uh, helping, okay. helping men, it's man's focus. Frank and Oak. Frank and Oak, it's okay. based in Canada, and it helps people, you know, look like uh you know have have clothing that is you know young hip and uh they uh, but they use is a lot it, of is content frank, you know this yeah. is unfortunately not frank <laughs> so I, we, do, we, we don't fit in the young we do we, yeah, that that's the one reason yeah. I could, but i do own frank and Oak, so we do try yeah. to eat our own dog food okay. uh, uh, so so that's an e-commerce related one but they use a lot of uh, uh, a lot of content to kind of to sell it's almost like a monthly uh, magazine that that looks like a you know like a GQ. Does it compete with like Trunk Club or? It's, it's a little bit. It's like that or Bonobos or it's like a, they they produce everything themselves. Okay. So it's their it's their own. Uh, their and own you say content. that that's not immediately obvious. Why did you because invest in that? Because of the link that they said it's you know we we want to have content that is appealing, and help you know sell things and advise people men on what to wear and so that's why. Let's talk about entrepreneur mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. What do you see going on in the world of valuations these days? I mean, mm -hmm. they seem to be skyrocketing. Is that mm -hmm. true? And are you investing less? And you know, how should entrepreneurs think about how to price themselves in this market? So I generally, I think there is a, there is a tendency for valuation to go up. I, I see that as well. Um, and I think our advice to our portfolio is raise at the moment. Okay. Take take what's take out money. there. Yeah, take okay. money. Take money. Who knows uh, what's happening to the economy or not? So, okay. uh, but I think there's also another trend that uh, if I compare the early stage deals that we do now or the seed deals we look, mm -hmm. the companies are much further along now than they were, you know, a couple of years ago. I think for for some of our startups, like we have companies in our seed portfolio that are, you know, doing you know a couple million in revenue already when we made the seed investment. Okay. And that is something that didn't happen before. So I think um, valuations went up in the C and A range, but at least for a lot of the companies we invested in, they are much further along. Are you seeing valuation differentials if you're investing in San Francisco, sure. LA, other And then locations? London and Europe. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's a 30% there's a discount for each uh, geography okay. that you move uh, 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 east. So there's an arbitrage opportunity. You should invest in Chicago and then move mm -hmm. them to sure. Silicon Valley for their next round. That's maybe something I, I should think about. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, the problem there is a. Uh, uh, it's, I mean, you then have to move the company, and that yeah. is uh, because if you don't, the following rounds will have. All, you'll always have the same problems. If you're if you're if you're an East Coast or West Coast based firm, I think it's still much easier to raise funding compared to the same same startup that is doing the same and is in is in London, for example. Based on 2014, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs about funding? Go out, raise funding now. I think the market is a little frothy. Okay, and that's a good thing. So get your money while it's high prices. Is that, or, or just while it's easier to raise? Uh, Haven't we been saying yeah. it's frothy for like three or four years now? Like isn't, should they believe us anymore? 
That's a tough one. I think, uh, but valuations are going up, and they, so the, the trend is uh, still there. If I look at the average valuation paid this year versus the year before, I it's think gone it's, up. it's gone up. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, t take the money. How about accelerators? Are you a believer that people should go into accelerators? Are you? I think it is helpful. I mean, it's there are different models out there. They take different kind of ownership stakes, and so. Uh, but I, I think the models that are more prevalent here in the U.S. I, I think they're they're all good. We have invested in companies out of those. Uh, a couple of the LA-based ones we have. You know, we've invested in uh, launchpad companies and micro companies. So we've you know we've we've done several. Uh, we're quite happy with those. Uh, in sometimes in Europe, you know, the models are a little different. They take too much equity, okay. Which then, you know, at least for me, creates a problem at some point. You know, it's uh, you know the cap, a cap table can be too challenging to to to. It can deter me from investing if it's a very uh, weird cap table with too much ownership in in, in people that are not value contributing. But you find it generally. Generally, I think they they learn stuff, and it's you have to. Be, I think. Uh, they, they learn how to present definitely that is yeah. something they do quite well yeah so i think for uh for a investors startup, beware it's, it's caveat you emptor. have to you have to a little bit you have to dig a little deeper maybe in in, in a in but a you spend time of, at accelerators yeah. you go to demo days yes and stuff sure. like we go that. to demo days yeah gotcha well i think that's all the time we have sure. today i think Thanks. the thought i'd like to leave people with is when i first heard that a german media company was making a bunch of investments i first thought Okay, well, they won't have a sense of humor. But, uh, <laughs> but after that, I thought, um, you know, you guys have been super helpful and all positive and constructive and have exceeded any expectation I have. So as you know, because I show you deals all the time, uh, if we have the opportunity to work with you, you know, I would be happy to do it. I'd recommend to anyone who's building a media-related company because for the... 500,000 or a million dollars part of a round that you guys may be, there's the added benefit that comes down the line of having access to a big media company. So thank you very much, Urs, and uh, here's wishing USA uh, on Thursday. They will learn something for sure. <laughs> no, thanks a All lot. Right. Thank you. Good.